the Habib Singh Podcast. It's a huge honor to have Raj Johar on the podcast today. This is something that you definitely want to watch, you definitely want to share, and it's going to help a lot of people. So make sure you don't miss this one. Before we go any further, make sure you like this video, smash the thumbs up button, leave a comment, and also please share it uh, and make sure you subscribe as well. Don't forget to do that. All right, so I appreciate you doing this, first of all. Cheers, Bruce. So thanks for coming on. Um, you've, you've always supported the podcast and... You know, there's one that we did with um, the kickboxer from Leicester. Okay. And, and he was talking about he was talking about drugs, alcohol, and, and yeah, his experience in prison, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and I'll link to that in the description box below. But it was after that that that's we we kind of thought let's talk about this. It's an important topic. It affects everyone in our community uh, in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, can you take me back to when you had your first drink? First drink. I think that would probably go back to, you know when you have house parties, yeah. and like your dad's always like, say, what would you like to eat? Right? And uh, so we must have been about 10 or 12 or something, and I just remember with my cousins, because they had it all laid out on trays, I just called it, I think it's whiskey or something like that, yeah, that was the first one I remember, that I remember. That must have like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was absolutely horrible, but like, um, yeah, and then... Uh, and then obviously after that, then that was just like a little like what kids do. But it really started kicking in afterwards. After I left school, I left school at sixteen because like I used to go to school in uh, Fenston in Southall. Yeah, my parents bought a chip shop all the way in Dover. So only Asian person there, right? And uh, so not any friends, nothing. And what do you do? You work all day in the shop, and then afterwards you think, right, let's have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about 17, 18 then, and uh, it just became a habit then. So it was like, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like an alcoholic problem at that time, not at all. And I also say, I was never an alcoholic, I was a horrible binge drinker. It was the binging, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what really got it, and I think that affects a lot of people. I feel like, um, first of all, to go back to my story when I first had my first drink because I was uh, my family's all like uh, they, they drink and stuff yeah. and um, my uncle it was my first birthday party and I looked at the photos first birthday party he's putting a champagne bottle to my mouth as a one year old right 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 so um, right. I don't know if that's legal but I think you have to be two or three in, with consent of your parents <laughs> um, but yeah in those days it was just it was I don't know it was acceptable it's, it's um, the thing is, it's, it's part of our culture, yeah. which is not a good part of it. Even to, to this day, it's, it's, it's always there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like any party, any gathering, yeah, even if it's a uh, source or something like that, you, you're with the guys and they're like, yeah, kind of, we need a drink. It's always there. Yeah. And it's like... Um, and, and going back to the hard work thing, I, I noticed that a lot in India, that it's like... Um, you do hard kethi you do hard physical labour, yeah. even with the builders here in the UK, and then you go home and you have a bed. Absolutely. And yeah. it's yeah. it's part of the, the kind of like... Uh, like it's too unwind. Yeah, the yeah. ritual. It's a bit yeah. of a ritual. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there is that cultural element to it. But, but the so. problem is, it's like, they do it to unwind, but maybe it's just our... It's in our psyche that, like, in the Punjabi psyche, that we don't have one or two. Yeah, that one or two will go to more and more and more. And that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it really becomes a problem. 
you solve them anyway. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, and the other thing is, it's like, guys, we don't, whatever it is, whatever problem we have, we don't talk. Right? I've noticed that with, with, with myself, with everyone. Any kind of like um, problems in life, women are very quick. They'll get it off their chest, they'll talk to their sisters, they'll mm-hmm. talk to their mom, they'll talk to their best friend. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. We, we won't tell our best mate what's mm-hmm. bothering us. We'll, we'll ask him to say, you're right, but it's superficial. Yeah, 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 cool. That's it. You know, so what a lot of people do, they end up drinking. And it just becomes a way out. Mm. But it actually escalates. Because then the next morning, it becomes worse. Uh, then, then you get the hangovers. Then you think, all right. Then, then you lay off it. And then you go back, go back into it. It just becomes a cycle. It becomes a cycle. Yeah, so I read this quote, and it was by this uh, famous writer. And he said, alcohol is the anesthetic that gets an individual through life. Yeah. Like So uh, for some people, it kind of numbs numbs the pain mm. that comes along with living a life and feeling a full range of emotions from happiness, sadness, grief, stress, um, you know, just all of the, the especially the life getting on top of us, which is, it can happen very easily in the Western world when you, you're not just committed to your work, you've got family pressures, you've got, um, as males, I, I'm going to have my cousin on the podcast and he's, he's, a, he's, a young, he's a young dad, he's got two young kids at home. He's running his own business. Right. He's, you know, he's trying to maintain training as well. This, yeah. this, so, I, you, know, you wonder how one person can do, expect to be so many things to so many people. It's the pressure. You know, the there pressure. is a lot of pressure on on, yeah. um, on people nowadays. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when when I went to university, people people said uh, I I, used to, I didn't drink, and people said. Um, uh, oh, you don't drink? Uh, you must be Muslim or you must be Hindu. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, I'm Sikh. And they're like, what? Sikhs are the biggest drinkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's something I hear every day now as well because when, yeah, I, I, I get yeah. you on that one. Yeah. So it is like you're right, we're kind of synonymous for yeah. uh, alcohol. Um, and I feel like with our community, you're right, if we do something, if it's like something positive, like the protests, We'll do it to you know the the max. Absolutely. If yeah. it's alcohol, yeah. if it's training, we'll do that to the yeah. max. Yeah. You know, we'll be like Kabaddi wrestling champions. Yeah. Um, and then if it's this, so seven, 16, 17 is very young age to be grafting. You have isolation. You're by yourself in terms of not much of your cohort around you, yeah. and you're working full time um, and you're working really hard. It's understandable. I think under those circumstances, a lot of people would probably. Um, have the same habit uh, and it's accessible right it's accessible or fly senses around the corners yeah uh, it's like you know it's so easy and that's the thing about alcohol it's available everywhere you know it's not you don't have to go to a dealer you just go to your, you can go to your local Tesco just mm-hmm. around the corner you know, so is 18 the drinking age 18 is the but you probably look, look like there were Asian shopkeepers and like, yeah. they didn't ask any questions. Yeah. Which is, I remember at, univer- uh, at high school, we were what, under 16? Yeah. And you just get the older looking guy to go into the shop yeah. and. and um, there, there was no ID um, cards or anything like that. Yeah. I think they've got those now, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, they just used to look at you. And, and yeah. like I say, once you know the shopkeepers, because like where we were, yeah. we knew everyone. Yeah. It was like, yeah, for them it's business, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that was kind of your habit, like, 
to, for, to get through the day, how long did that go on for? That carried on um, for quite a while. Um, what happened was it was like, especially on Friday or Saturday, like near the end of the week, and that's when I would think, yeah, let's get on it. Before, I learned to drive. Uh, so I, I passed my test, I think, on, when I was 19. I think on my 19th, yeah. The day after, I drove to Southall. Yeah, because I was desperate to meet my mates. I, I wanted some freedom and some independence. So the next day, I got in the car, drove all the way. I did that every single week. So I'd come on a Friday night, go back on a Sunday. And obviously, when I'm here, I was going to party. And I did. So it's, uh, and that's when it got, that's when I realised that this is, you know, that was the start of the binging. That was the start of it. Yeah, so I guess it's, you work all hard all week. Were you drinking during the week? No. And then your, your, your weekend's kind of chance to let your yeah. hair down. Yeah. Um, and then you're around your cohort, your friends who want to do the same thing. Yeah. So it's just like... That was it. It was also the company that you keep I mean, All good friends, don't get me wrong, but like, we were no better than each other, if you know what I mean. It was like, um, it's the company that you keep as well. And it was always like, with us, it was like, yeah, we're going out. Even if we were going to play snooker, it meant that basically we were going to get drunk. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. it was always an excuse, always an excuse. When um, did you realise, when you were hungover, presumably felt not so great? This is it as well, because like, the younger you are, you don't feel it. So like, um, at that age, I could get up in the morning, I could get up, get ready, back to work, and no problem, no problem. Um, but the older you're getting, your metabolism slows down, it's getting worse and worse. So it, it started kicking in. And then the hangovers, I mean, obviously, one day you're going to feel rough. But then it comes, once, once you get to a certain age, that hangover will last for two days. And it started lasting for three days. And that's when you realize, is this actually worth it? Is it, you know, all that pain, all that depression? Because that's what it used to cause me was big time depression. Right? So, um, was it worth it for that two hours of fun? You know, like when, when I was broke, yeah, then I felt on top of the world. But was it worth it? Because waiting for those three days to just pass by, it's horrible. But those three days would go, and then I'd have two days of not, you know, feeling okay, and then I'd go back on it again. Mm. And it wasn't good. Yeah. How long did that last for? When did you stop drinking? I stopped drinking about properly. I'll tell you what was actually what happened. Yeah. It was about, I think it was about 38, 37, 38. And that's when I made a decision that like, and I really need to knock this on the head. And it, it, it wasn't overnight. I'm not going to lie, it wasn't overnight. It was very slow. It was very slow. So I thought, okay, let's. Instead of every week, let's go to work once every two, uh, once every fortnight. Yeah. So I did that for a while, and it worked. Yeah. Then it went to once every three months. I thought, wow. okay, this is okay because I thought, yeah, I'm still going to need something because otherwise I'm going to go crazy. Were you still going south on the weekends? No, we moved back here. I was okay. working in the airport. Okay. Again, you. another environment where everyone was drinking. Yeah. Right, it was actually a lot worse because it was like it was, I was with I was working with uncles, young old yeah. people, everybody like yeah, good time though, don't get me wrong. But it was a big drinking culture there. Yeah. Well. It's like anyone that's worked in Heathrow, I think they they probably know. Right, so it's um but yeah, so I was I was back here. But it went from three months and then I had no intention to actually give up. Because I was quite happy to like just keep it once every three months. And that would be a good bender. 
want to open that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Wait three months. But then that three months went to four months. Then it went to five months. Then it went to I think the last time it happened, I think I just I drove once in the whole year. Wow. And then it just stopped. So I actually had no intention. In my back of my mind, I did want to stop. I always wanted to stop because I wasn't the person that I wanted to be. So I would, you know, I hated that part of myself. It wasn't who I was, but I still carried on. But then, then inside something happened. I don't know. It just happened naturally. I don't know. Maybe it was from above. It was, you know, something happened that I just didn't want to go back to it. So with um, presumably other people were telling you to stop, right? No? Okay. So, oh, Punjabi. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting questions. Punjabi. Why are you drinking? Yeah. Why are you drinking? You know, so I'm, so I'm, I'm thinking about people, there's inevitably there will be people who listen to this, who they've had people in their lives telling them, look, you need to stop, it's too much or whatever, or, you know, that it's getting them in, in risky behaviour yeah. situations. But, you know, with, like, with my experiences with people, they've, they kind of, it has to not come from other people. It has to come from... No, them. you would hear that. I would hear that from my family, from my close family, like my parents and my sisters. But you can't stop for anyone else. You can't stop. You can stop for a week. You can stop for two weeks for someone. To stop yourself, you have, that has to come from within. Mm-hmm. So uh, it makes no difference. You will hear it. Anyone that breaks, anyone that says that to them that stop drinking, it's going to go from that way out the other. So if you want to quit, or let, let's say on the back of the mind, you, you you enjoy the you enjoy the drinking, you enjoy the process, like, but you don't enjoy the hangovers, or you don't enjoy. Um, I read a book about uh, alcoholism uh, by this. It's a very popular book on Amazon. It's written by this female journalist, and she said she used to black out, and she would wake up in bed with men that she didn't know, and sometimes there were multiple men, and once she woke up in um, in jail, right. and so for her it was obviously a very risky situation because she was drinking drinking used to cause her to black out so other people used to see her moving around and acting as normal but she didn't remember any of these things that were happening so this is very dangerous situation she you know before she came out of it and um i'll link to her her book as well in the description box but um so for her it's probably that situation she said that you know she woke up in prison she was late for work she didn't have a phone she didn't know where her phone went so that that was like the last straw for her way is there anything that you can you can advise for people who who maybe like they're finding it hard to quit? They they maybe in the back of the mind feel like they want to quit or they want to cut down. Is yep. there anything that can help? Because clearly, other people nagging you doesn't help. Uh, yeah, uh, other people ain't gonna help. It's uh, there are books out there. That's what helped me as well. I can't remember the name of the book now as well, but like, I remember reading that, and that really it struck a chord. It was about basically how alcohol, what it does to you, and how it turns that side, there's two sides of the brain. Um, I'm no expert in it, but like what normally happens is I think the, the side that does the rational thinking, that starts turning off. And that's why when people do stupid things, it's always when they have a drink normally. Because that side, what we say, like, I mean, they, they say, they, I think they say that you don't know what you're doing when you're drunk. You do know what you're doing, you do know what you're saying, but you just don't give a damn. You don't care if you're hurting that person in front of you. Because that side of the brain turns off, so the rational thinking turns off, and, and that kind of, that, that was kind of true. Mm-hmm. So it was like, um, 
And that made sense to me. I was like, this is what this thing is doing to me. I need to sort it out. Uh, and there's, there's places out there that, that do help. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of organisations now as well. Yeah. So, from, from, I think, I think, uh, Al-Anon, so Alcoholics Anon is probably the most famous. Lots of people have used that. I think it's very big in America. Um, and I actually have a patient of mine who, who went into rehab and then she went, she'd been going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. I'll try and get her on the podcast as well one day. And right. she, she's, she's, it's really helped her. She told me this crazy story of a guy who was sober for 30 years. He had a binge because he had some family issues and right. he died because his liver was so, it was detoxing. Right. And it, it, he had done so much damage to it in the past and then he just overloaded it with alcohol. So toxic. And it couldn't, yeah, it became toxic and he actually died just from right. one, one binge after being right. sober for 30 years. Which made me realise that actually this is no, like, this is no, like, easy game. It's, uh, you know, people are, it's like something that you have to keep on top of for yeah, the rest of your yeah, life. It's yeah. not like the flu, you have it and then you're right and then you're done, you don't need... Yeah, well, that's, that's where it's important to, I think it is important then to, if you, if you leave that side in your life, and if you've changed, it's important to indulge in something else, something more, something more healthy. Mm. Yeah, because if you don't, you're just going to end up going in depression as well. You've got to really take a hobby up, you've got to do something to keep your mind active. Mm. So, Did, you, you've, you've got a remarkable story, it's very different to the other ones I've heard, um, just from people I know. Uh, like you kind of just did it yourself. You you had these two week sprints and then three weeks and then yeah. I think that's amazing because one mentally you don't have that stress that oh, I'm never doing this thing ever again in my life. You don't have that pressure weighing on you. But on the other hand, it takes a lot of discipline to have an addiction to anything or to have a habit of anything and then not do it for two weeks, right? Yeah. Like whether it's gambling, alcohol, cigarettes, yeah. you know, porn addiction is a big thing at the moment. Um, all of these kind of things to to have those as a regular part of your life and then go two weeks, go six months without that thing. That's like a lot of mental... I think the way it worked for me, that, that worked really good for me because <clears throat> what I realised is a lot of people do try and do but they go cold turkey. It doesn't last that long. So... For me, this was perfect because I just ended up hating it, and I, I hate it to this day. I mean, I look back at my life now, and I sometimes get nightmares, thinking, you know, waking up at three o'clock in the morning and think, "Am I broken?" But I'm not, and then I just get so happy. It's just weird. It's like you know, wow. it's like I'm sober. I'm like, oh, thank God, man. It's like you know, I'm not. It's just a horrible dream that I'm having. That like maybe yeah. I, I, you know, I might have had a drink or something. So no, that, that's uh, it's a part of. It's a part of, I don't know, it's a part of growing up as well, I think. It's like, um, you know, you go through these phases, and you've seen that side, I've seen that side. It wasn't very nice, let's put it that way. And, mm. uh, it's, it's, what it is, I think, important is to have a discipline in life as well. And it teaches you great discipline. Mm. So it's like, um, I'm very much, I stick to a routine. It's like, I'll wake up early, you know, I have to, I, I hate getting out of my routine. So it has taught me a bit of a discipline in that, in that respect as well. That's amazing. So. He, I, I'm thinking about a, a family member, a personal story, but he, a uh, family member, had an issue. Uh, um, actually, they had a bit of domestic violence issue. And then I was talking to them and I said to them, look, you need to give up drinking. 
and you need to change your sangat, right? You need to change the people that yeah. you're spending time with because all they're doing is drinking. So you're not going to stop drinking if the people you spend time with, all they're doing is drinking. And that's the way you spend time together, yeah. is by sessioning. And he was like, it's not them, it's me. He goes, I'm the one that's phoning them up, saying, right. let's go. So like, how, how did you manage that? Because presumably your friends were still drinking, right? And yeah. you're going through like four months, three months. What happened with me, I kind of did cut off. Because I had to, because it was just me and Zan the pub. It'd be like, you know, we all support the same team, I would say, because you'd probably laugh. But, uh, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that was just an excuse to get drunk as well. And I used to think, I can watch it at home. There's no need for me to go to the pub to watch it. But that lasted for a few months. And then they'd call me boring. They'd say, you know, what guys do? And they'll say that, you know. Banter. Um, banter, yeah, yeah. But then slowly, slowly, you have to get out because otherwise, you know, you've got to go out and socialise as well. Mm-hmm. So now I can go to a pub, watch a game, I'll just sit there, bottom, drink tomorrow, or whatever, you know, yeah. water or something like that. It's no problem. But mm-hmm. I've noticed one thing is those same guys now that used to laugh at me for not drinking are asking me now, Roger, how do you do it? How do you do it? So it's like, inside, I think everyone wants to, like, you know, calm down or, or totally just give up as well. But it's easier to just go there and just like carry on. Again, isn't it? So. Mm. Definitely. This is it's resonating with me a lot because um, I was thinking about uh, uh, a friend who has a, a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. And this is getting off on a tangent, but once we did some uh, uh, trading and I lost some money on the trade and I was like, this is it for me, yep. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it. And then, you know, a few months later, he said, I wish I had stopped when you stopped because of how much he ended up in the hole. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it just feels like it's very easy to judge on the outside when you see somebody with... Uh, but I feel like... I don't know whether it's a Punjabi thing, but I, th- I from my, co- my cohort, the people of people I know, we have an addictive personality. So we could very easily become like addicted to something, whether it's positive, yeah. like sikhi or, or training, or whether it's negative, like alcohol, um, trading, um, you know, all the other types of yeah. potential things that can have negative impacts on your life and relationships. So talk to me about the training. When did you get into training and like, when did you start taking that? Training, I always dabbled in it. I'm a huge Sylvester Stone fan. It sounds really cheesy, but like, I remember, I think I was 10, and Rocky III came out. And I, I, I absolutely loved it. I went with my uncle, went to the cinema, watched it the first time. Is that when he fights Creed? That's Mr. Uh, uh, yeah, T. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That was a good one. Yeah. And uh, so I watched that, and then after that, every week we used to live near, uh, where was it? Adelaide Road, I think there's Apollo Video. Yeah, well known. I remember if you're yourself, you know Apollo Video. I would go there and I'd rent out Rocky One and Rocky Two. They just look at my face and just get hand it over to me. And that was before I realised I had to um, make a copy of it, send it over the VCR, and I made my own copy. Okay. So like, so I, I, I was just, I loved it. And yeah. uh, everyone else else was watching Star Wars. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Superman. They they just didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Right. And it was the training sessions in that. So it was always in the back of my mind, yeah, but I never did anything about it. I'll do a few press-ups, yeah, I'll do a bit of this, I'll do a bit of that, yeah. right? But then, yeah, other things will take over, obviously. But, so, 
And then I think it was, I know this sounds really cheesy, but it was like Rocky Balboa, which was Rocky Six, I think. Yeah. The sixth one. It came out and um, obviously... That was really recent, right? That was uh, 2008. Okay. And I think uh, there's a scene in there where he says, uh, just because I've had a few too many birthdays, it doesn't mean to say that I but should I stop doing things. And I was saying, I was like, that kind of makes sense because I'm getting old as well. And I was hitting 40. So, and because he wanted to get back in the ring. That's when he fights the... Did he fight the world champion? The world champion, yeah. It's what a charity fight. Yeah. yeah. And his son, he was saying to him, like, you're too old yeah. to do it. That's not that famous scene, so if you, you get knocked down, if you... That's it, yeah. when he has his speech with yeah. his son. That's right, that's right. And uh, so, so I was like, I was like, you know what, you need to do something as well, because my life was basically going to work, coming back home, you know, it was, it was going down, basically, yeah. And I had no hobby, I had no interests, really, you know. And I was like, why don't I do something? Yeah, and so that's when I thought, all right, I'm no good at football, I'm no good at this, I'm no good at that. Yeah, one thing which I might be a little bit good at is lifting weights. Yeah, and I wasn't that good to start with. No one is. You know, we all go to the gym with, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. And, uh, but I started enjoying it. And that's when I realized that like, it got to a point that I wanted to train every day. So that drinking part, that wasn't going to, that, they, they didn't interact. Mesh very well. They didn't inter interact at all. So it's like, because if I'd have a drink, then it would be, oh, I can't do this for two or three days. And then it became, what is more important? Is it this or is it that? And, and it just, it basically, it just changed my life. Mm. So it was very slow as well. I'm not saying it happened overnight, but it was just like a gradual process. And then I got into it, I went into it more and more and more. And as I noticed, because I was a size 38 in the stomach, ah. yeah, I was, I, I'd eat anything. Like, you know, it's, and then that started dropping off because I started paying more attention to what I'm eating as well. And it just carried on, it carried on. And I actually found something, I thought, yeah, this is what I found. This is the way forward. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, um, when you started, because I'm, I'm thinking again of my own personal experiences, I think for the people that I know who, who um, used to like their drink, training seemed like a big kind of jump, because exactly. it seemed like going from nothing or, or just playing a little bit of kickabout football with your mates and yeah. then going to the pub, which isn't really like strenuous exercise. So going from that to actually being fit, it seems like sometimes a bit too much of a leap. Or, so what's the good way to get started? Is like PT a good shout to get started or should people just, I don't know, start yeah, running uh, or something? No, I, I think uh, get, if you can get a PT to begin with, that's what, but I've got a lot of clients now that are total beginners. Some total beginners, they've come in, they haven't got a clue what they're, you know, they're, they're brand new to it, but they want to change something. Mm. So it's always a good idea, given the knowledge. Because form is more important than anything, and that's why everyone messes up. I mean, I was the same when I went, I remember going to the chimney maybe up there, and uh, I went to do a bench press. And I saw this little skinny guy come along, and he put 20 on each side of the bar, it was 60 kg. Right? I was right into this, and I see, see him do it, and I thought to myself, right, if he can do it, I can do it, I'm like double his size. Right? So I went next morning, at 6 o'clock in the morning, because I knew no one was going to be there. Uh, and it wasn't. So I did exactly the same, put 60 on, all right? No idea, no warm-up, nothing, yeah? 
<laughs> couldn't, Dan, couldn't, couldn't miss the thing up. Luckily, they put a clip sometime in the coach. And uh, so, so, what I'm trying to say is basically, yeah, you do need to have knowledge about it, and that's why PT can help, obviously. And I've noticed that with all the clients that I've got as well, like all, all, all total beginners, from what they were into what they're doing now, mm. right, they've got that knowledge. So, like, you know, even if they, if they, if they, if they want to carry on by themselves now, they know what to do, they know the program, they know, you know, what, uh, what, what kind of program they want to do, how to change things up as well. Mm. So you're not stuck in that same rut at the time. That makes sense because I I think um, I I recently have been trying a few different things and um, I was reading this book on success and it was saying uh, it's really important to have people that you connect with in your life that you have a shared common interest and you feel part of a group. Yeah. So I feel like if somebody has that kind of love, they experience that love from somebody whether it's a trainer, whether it's like a, a team, but it's kind of starting them off at the right level, yep. then they can they can enjoy that 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 element of it, even if it's not the training element yep. of it, because somebody starting off in training may not enjoy it straight away because of the soreness and, and yep. they, they feel like they're crap, they can't look at them. A lot of people don't have confidence, they, they think people are looking at them, but they're not, and stuff like that. Yeah, so no, it's, it's not right. Yeah, and if they are looking at you, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, I feel like if you have that positive reinforcement and you go enough times, then you start to enjoy it. It's not necessarily something that first session you're gonna go. No, no one enjoys the first session, no one enjoys probably the first ten sessions with you. So but it's when they start seeing some positive positive changes in your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's when they start going to see it and they start saying, Yeah, right, let's get on it. Yeah. Uh, so it's but, but the other thing is, it's the, the thing that people fail with most is it's the training is the easy part. Yeah, it's the nutrition. That's the hard part for people. That, yeah. and that's what I always try and come into people that you've got to get your food right. There's no point coming here, you know, five times a week and then going to the pub, right, having a kebab and everything, yeah, and then saying that mm. this ain't working for you. you. You've got to get it all. It's all got to come into come into shape basically. So that's yeah. the hard part for people. I think part of it is also um, the alcohol is high in sugar, right? So yeah. it, it tends to like, even if you don't eat that much, if you drink a lot, you tend to get that kind of stomach or dead. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. just cutting alcohol out. Yeah. And it's the same thing with all the guys in the gym. It's like the ones that I see, the ones that I see on a Friday, that I don't see on a Friday, I know they're, they're, they're going to the pub. But when I see them on a Monday, they're like, oh, they're hard to see them. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Then, and it's slower than that, you know. So I always say to them, like, try, try, try to sort that out, you know, because mm. I want to see you here on Saturday and Sunday as well, mm. you know. It's, 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 that's, that's how they're going to achieve what they want. They want that, but then they have that that thing that oh, I have to go out as well. You, know? mm. you can go out, you can enjoy yourself, but like, you don't have to drink, basically. Yeah. You know, or, or drink in moderation, right? In moderation, yeah. which is... Uh, which is not something that Punjabi's <laughs> no, I mean, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the truth, yeah. I always used to go out with my, my mates, and we always used to go down the pub, and we always go with the best intentions. We used to say, all right, we're going to go, and we're going to have two, three pints maximum. I used to see Gordon, and they used to do that. Mm. I used to feel jealous. I was like, I couldn't just drink three pints and go home. Because after our first and second one, that, that good intention just went out the window. It was like, right, and then there'd be no more pints, it would close straight to the bottle, like to, to the shorts. 
Yeah, then you go home and then you get a bottle of milk. And, and so it never works. It never worked for us, mm. you know, like drinking in moderation. Mm. And everyone's moderation is different. I mean, I see you around this story. It's like, I, I, I speak to my mate who's given up as well, which is really, really good. And uh, we, we talk about it. We physically feel sick about this one because it was like, uh, we were having a house party and uh, we were going to pick some mates up for the landing station, about 10 minutes away from you. And it was 6 o'clock. The air train was coming at 6.15. Yeah. We got a bottle of vodka and we finished that bottle in 15 minutes. This was before the party. This was just like a warm-up. 15 minutes. Then, then it was like, I didn't even feel it. Wow. I didn't even feel it. Mm-hmm. Then God knows, oh, I don't know how much. And you got all the money that and so we talk about that now, we're like, I don't know. It's nothing to be bad. I'll tell people that, but it's, I'm like, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It, 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 was, it wasn't just that a man that was being drunk, right? It was a speed. Yeah. And it's a tolerance. Because yeah. alcohol is something that some people, some people say that I don't drink to get drunk. I think that's rubbish. I mean, everyone has a tolerance level. And my toilets are going to go back there. I could drink it on you, and I'd still be you and you to tell people. Yeah. I wouldn't cause trouble, I wouldn't be Yeah, yeah, it's a different be, impact yeah. for people, isn't it? Everyone has to yeah. differently. And I'd always have one to laugh. You know, I've never had a, you know, I've never got looking for a fight or anything. Some mm-hmm. people would be more to get emotional yeah, and stuff, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, stick something down into the room and just like, you know, it's a thing. But like, um, yeah, so, but like, and then, then you got people around say, oh, I, I don't do that much. That's because the toilet's like, they can't really handle it. They're drunk. Mm-hmm. But their toilet service could be three pints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, so everyone's toilet is different. Mm-hmm. And people do drink, I, I don't know, people say, I don't get drink to get drunk, but if that alcohol never had any machine, would you drink it? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. No one drinks alcohol the way it tastes. Yeah. I mean, I could drink, for alcohol free, I don't know, or whatever it is now, you can do it because it, yeah. it's, it's not a nice taste. Yeah, I, funny story, we went to like Butlings on a family holiday and some family members are drinking and they go, oh, you can have it if you want. Mm-hmm. And you just grow up seeing all the men drinking this brown liquid, right? Yeah. Uh, so you think it must it must be like liquid honey. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Or like a garnier or something <laughs> like that. And I had a, I had a swing. And I, I spat it out because it's such a bitter taste. Like, yeah. As a kid, you're used to things like juice and things that are very sweet, yeah. and yeah. immediately they kind of. So yeah, you're right. I guess it's um, it's not a taste which instinctively you know, the brain the brain forces you to, to think yeah this tastes better because they're, they're all taste rubbish basically I think yeah but your brain it says all right this one tastes better than that one it's it's not as harsh as that one but it's going down better than the other one. Because of the only impact it's giving, like, the consequence of having it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess it's a bit like any, anything in that sense. Like, I have, I'm, you know, fortunately never got into drinking that much. And then when, when I go into training, then I stopped. Because the, the diet was really strict and you have to make yeah. weight and things like that. Um, so I was, I was trying to, to be healthy. But um, coffee I got into a few years ago. And I, I, that's, that's, that's my dad's <laughs> one as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess with coffee, like initially, if someone had coffee, 
they probably wouldn't think it tastes that good. That's right, yeah. But when you actually get into coffee, then you start noticing the little, the little differences. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starbucks versus yeah. Costco. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you like the impact it gives you, right? Because you, it kind of wakes you up and That's makes right. you less tired and stuff. So I guess it's the same with any kind of um, psychedelic, anything that affects the, the brain. Um, it has an impact and so you kind of get used to you kind of yourself yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, yeah my kids saw me drink this is probably something I shouldn't say about it being recorded but my kids saw me drink espresso once <laughs> oh, right, and right. they go we want what you drink we want what you drink I said go ahead go ahead have a shot right so they, they took a swig of the espresso they spat it out and said this is disgusting how can you drink this right but I was just drinking it because to keep myself awake and to yeah. kind of get through the day. Right, right, so right. I guess it's... It, uh, but yeah, I, it just... This conversation reminds me that very easily I could have gone down a different road. Um, you know, luckily I had a training and good mentors who um, didn't used to drink or like, you know, we were, we were at training three times a week and then we were doing our own training outside of that. <laughs> so they, it kind of crowded out a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my best mates when we went to university, um, the first day we went there and he was like, oh yeah, let's go to the pub now once we finish. Yeah. And because I, I wasn't used to that, I was like, okay, at the end of the day, you finish your uni and then you go uh, train, you go to gym. Yeah. I said, like, why would you want to go there? Why would you want to go there? So we got into training and, um, you know, I, I, I just got lucky, I guess, because I, I know I would easily have... Um, it's so easy to fall into Yeah, come down the same road. Yeah. 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 yeah, fortunately. But... Um, can you offer any advice for anybody who wants to give up um, and maybe they've had some realizations um, and they want to give up but they're, they're kind of struggling with being able to do it follow through? Yeah, well, I, think, I think first of all, you just got to really sit down and talk to yourself first of all. Yeah, rather than talking to other people because other people are going to tell you straight away, yeah, you've got to give up. Talk to yourself, evaluate stuff in your own head. That what I've been doing, is it really what I want to be? Is that the person I want to be? Yeah? And obviously, I think, you know, things will come out a lot clearer. And then from there, you've got to make small steps. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't... If someone really wants to stop, for them to stop cold turkey, it never worked for me. I tried it so many times, but it was like, you know, it was like, yeah, cold turkey, right? I might have even bought a bottle and just tapped it. I thought, yeah, I'm going to drink it. But the next day I'll go out and get another one. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, that never worked for me. But like, take it small steps. Take it small steps. Seek advice as well. There's a lot of professionals out there. There's a lot of good organizations. Yeah, and talk to people. Because sometimes, most of the time, when people drink excessively, it's because they're, they're, they're an underlying issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get to the bottom of that first. Because mm-hmm. yeah. what all drink does, it hides those issues. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to get rid of that. Or you're trying to mask it. You think that yeah, by drinking you're not going to forget about it. Yeah, you will forget about it for a day, mm. or for a day, for a few hours. The next morning you're going to wake up, and that little thing is going to be a lot worse. Yeah, I, I think when I've been prone to addictive behaviours, it's kind of when I felt a sense of loneliness. Mm. And I think even if you're in a family, you can still feel lonely. You might not feel connected. But, but that's what um, got me because I, well, I was living in Dover. It was like um, yeah, it was loneliness. Yeah, yeah. Was, like, the shell pipe, you know, all my mates were here, I was in the it was like, it wasn't a, you know, it was no business, it was yeah. not going to be able to get into this and that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, people probably think, oh, well, 
you've got such a good life, you've got a thriving business, you've got yeah, all this yeah. kind of stuff. That, but actually, you can have everything, but you still need that fulfillment, right? That's and, cool. you know, training's given, given you that fulfillment, you've been able to give it to other people, your clients now. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, we, we all need that, that kind of, to feel full. Um, how you, how you, have you worked with people who, who are drinking? Who are like, I have worked with people that have had, uh, had issues with drinking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of them have had a lot of people drinking with them. They made some really good progress. Yeah. Really good progress. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, this is the thing about Instagram as well, because like, if they haven't made progress, I'll, I'll know where they are. Because <laughs> they put a picture up, yeah, so now I'll down and you manage to go to the gym this week. I'll go, yeah, I know where you can see the down. So you put it up on Instagram. <laughs> so I keep an eye on it. I keep an eye on it. But the majority of them, they have really. Because when, once you start talking to them, they realize as well, because we've all got the same kind of problem. You know, whether it's financial, whether it's this or that. You know, it's, yeah, there's right. always something like a problem. Yeah, there's something like a problem. And then once you say to them that like, you have really got to get your life in order, yeah, instead of having a national and shit up, you need to get that national up in the training. And that's what it is for me, it's a nutshell basically. Mm-hmm. I have to stop myself to, you know, I have to force myself to get a rest day. <laughs> to make the rest day really the better so Right, it's, um, you know, you have to stop yourself sometimes. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it does become very addictive. Yeah. But it's a good nutshell. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's, um, it, and it's a discipline as well. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And, and what you're saying about discipline and routine, because I've been reading up a lot about ADHD and I, I've self-diagnosed myself with ADHD, but they, they say that routine works really, and ADHD people have addictive personalities, they can get hooked on them very quickly. And I feel like when you've got that, he calls it kind of a, I reading a book on it, they call it a kind of a prison, you put yourself in a prison. So these are the things that I'm, I'm not going to take my phone into this room or I'm not going to go into this environment. Yeah. Because I know, he goes, he won't, he won't, if he has a speaking gig in Vegas, uh-huh. he has it in his contract that he's not going to stay over the night. So he won't take any gig that will find him to stay over the night because he doesn't think he has himself. Regardless of whether he feels like he has self-control or not, he doesn't want to put himself in a position where he might yeah. go off the rails. Um, so I think part of like being a modern-day male man um, or female is that we have to kind of just tailor our environment to get the best out of ourselves. We're we, fortunate we don't we have that availability, right? Like in modern day life to do that. Um, you've got to be strong as well, because like, there's a lot of peer pressure as well. I've noticed that with a lot of people, it's like, oh, I don't want to come out, partner. You know, they feel forced, they feel pressurized. You've just got to think about number one. Yeah. You've got to think about number one. Also, your immediate family as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you putting them through as well? You know, it's like, yeah. I think as we get older, we realize that people don't care, right? We think, oh yeah, you know, we can't let this person down, this person down, but all like our friends or, or you know, what if this person sees me going to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? But really, no one really, oh, like everyone's bothered about it with themselves, right? Yeah, they're, they're all you, you got to, too bothered about themselves. Yeah, so you got to do what's best for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a few people I know, and they, they are potentially spouses and like wives of people who have uh, drinking issues and stuff. And, um, you know, clearly nagging or, or, or that kind of stuff, like having fights, is, is detrimental for the family, as like the kids and everyone. What, what should, do you have any advice? Like signing up someone up for PT sounds like a great option, yeah. because you're like subtly edging them towards the right way of life, yeah. a better way of life. 
um, uh, to correct myself. But is there anything, any kind of words of wisdom for like families of people who are who are in a tricky situation? Is it edge them towards training as opposed to enlighten them about thinking? Or... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, what people can make. Like I said before, they can make it as much as they want. They've got to get that decision themselves. Uh, you know, they, sometimes nagging does help as well. Sometimes they can be like, you know, might say, oh, you've got to stop drinking, you've got to do something. That might edge that person to think, right, just to keep it quiet for a bit. I'm going to actually start doing something. And then, you know, it can work for them. It can work for them. But rather than being nagged, I think it's better that that comes from yourself. You know, it's got to come from yourself because it's, you've got to want to do it. Think that you've got to want to do it, and you've got to make that positive change. Because otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that rut. You know, so it just becomes a cycle. You just look on that and that and that. Yeah. I was reading this book on behavior change, and they said no one changes by feeling bad about themselves. No one like changes out of a sense of I'm such a bad person, um, and and they don't like permanently change like that. What they change by they call it self-efficacy. So if you like say you have like a porn addiction, you think oh, I'm going to give up. And then every time you fail, you you feel worse about yourself because you said, oh, "I promised myself I'm never going to do that again." Now I've done it again. Yeah. And then if you do that several hundred times, you're not going to have much confidence in your ability yeah. to do yeah. something, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so they say people respond better out of feelings of positive. Like, so even if you remember that actually I want to train today instead of going to or Friday night comes and you think, "Yeah, I've got a training session with a PT," or yeah. "I'm going to go to boxing class," whatever it is. And you manage to get yourself there, like that's a massive win, right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. it's all those positive feelings that you are making. Sometimes people need that. Um, they need a mental that they need to be pushed. It's because uh, a lot of people can go to the gym. They can do. They do know what they're doing. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the gym, gyms. There's yeah. no, there's no yeah, but they, they need someone to keep that eye on them to yeah. make sure that yeah, you know, they're pushing it. So mm-hmm. it's um, that's what because the role of a PT is not just. Teaching them the exercises, you've got to build a rapport with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to, you know, keep everything confidential, obviously. But like a lot of people have got a lot of problems, and they will come up to you and say to you different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, then you understand that person. Then that, that's it becomes personal. That's what personal training should be as well, because yeah. then you can get to the bottom of it and give them help, and you know, like, and then get them thinking about the right as well. Yeah, I I go to um, Thai boxing on uh, Tuesdays. Shout out to South who um, doesn't go on social media, but who runs the class. And that's like my, I go for the training, but I probably go more so because it's a bit of a social fix. Yeah. So rather than me going out somewhere, it feels like I'm doing something positive when I'm training, exactly. and we're doing Muay Thai, I'm learning, I'm getting fitter, I'm getting good sweat. But also it's just, you know, a few dads there, it's like, and a few other guys, they, yeah. everyone's really respectful, everyone's really, there's no egos there, it's just a nice kind of positive, why when you feel like you've got a bit of the that tick uh, that box tick of like yeah. social connection and, yeah, that's and friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, the training is, is gonna be is gonna be key. I think if um, if there's one thing that I think can help with lots of different types of addictions, ADHD, all this kind of stuff, um, which is all relevant, is uh, is training is the key thing. Um, so where can people connect with you? Let's say they, they, they want to make a change, they've heard this, and they think, you know what, I could benefit from speaking to someone who's gone through what I'm going through, and you know, I want to make a change as well. Maybe they want to have more moderation in their life, they want to 
they want to change their like you know circle like five people closer to them you know having like a trading partner or having you know changing that circle deliberately can potentially like change the direction of their life right uh, yeah, yeah so where can they connect with you well i'll, I'll obviously learn on the large how more fitness is the name of my yeah i, I work on home as well so it's world how has more fitness pt on instagram yeah um i think you probably can't